Derek, my man, what's happening? Good morning. Hey, Mike. How are you, my friend? Fucking great, dude. How you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm doing very yeah? well. Yeah? Yes. Just good? Not fucking great? Uh, I am doing, you know, it's it's climbing. The day is just climbing. It's just getting oh. better and better. All right. So yeah. Well, you're 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 three hours later than me. You're running out of day to climb, dude. You need to you need to ascend that hill. Yeah. No. Yeah. It it's uh. So well, I'll tell you what I did. I I picked like seven cucumbers from my garden this morning. Whoa. Yeah. Dude, that sounds like fucking great day status to me. Yeah. And I just grabbed one and I just took a bite right out of the bitch. Nice. It was nice. It was so. It's. It tastes what you think. How you think it fresh cucumber would taste very uh-huh just amazing and not only is it a good cucumber like if the exact same cucumber came out of your neighbor's garden it would be good but it's extra good coming out of your own garden that's it right. just tastes like You're... it tastes like 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 success like i grew this it's this like uh inherent you know animalistic fucking feeling of of uh of uh I don't know. Greatness. Fucking greatness. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it just it just feels like right. Yeah, no, it, it is. It's like uh I don't know. I I feel more like a man now that I have a garden. And I yeah. mean I'm sure a woman would feel more like a woman too if she had a garden. So not making it exclusive yeah. to men. I wonder but how it's just that primal is. is what I'm saying. Because women love gardening, too. I wonder if they love it for different reasons. Because I, I, I hear you. I feel the same way. I feel like a man, like a provider. Like, I've created food from dirt. For my family. And, uh, yeah, is that just a guy thing? Or do women feel the same sort of, like, primal, uh, you know, gathering, providery kind of kind of thing that we feel? Or do they love it in a different way? Is, this, is it like a nurturing, cultivating kind of a thing that's more uh, more associated with women nature? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know any other farmers really. So, do you, does your wife like gardening too, or does she just no, let you do that? No, she doesn't right. like it. I My mean, wife she loves the, isn't the garden. She, she says she likes gardening, but really, she just likes asking me to go pick a lemon. <laughs> uh, is is what I think is going on? Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> I've never seen her with a trowel in her hand. That's yeah. for damn sure. Yep, that's that's the <laughs> truth right there. So she but, likes having a garden and having me get things from the garden, but not really gardening. Yeah, that, that's about accurate right there. Uh, but that's cool. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm down for that. I, it makes me feel providery, and it's my primal man thing where I'm like, I will gather a lemon, woman. And I go out into the yard, and I clip that lemon, and I feel fucking great about it. Bring it in and present it. Behold, a lemon. You know Enjoy. what I've been thinking now, too? It's like, I, why not fill up my whole fucking yard with fruit trees? Why wouldn't you? Right. Yeah. Because I, mean, I know I've had the same thought. I'm like, yeah. look at all this useless land. I'm not. I'm not creating food from. Yeah. It's so wasteful. I know. I. So I. I'm planning on getting a plum, a fig. Um. Maybe apricots can grow here. I don't know. Um, all right. Apple. You know what you need to do huh. is find a local nursery. Or have you already? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Befriend their fucking local plant nerd at the nursery and just talk to him, dude. Like, what grows here? What is yeah. what is like the least work and the most uh, 
um, hardy? Like what, what really thrives in this particular part of Tennessee? And uh, they'll tell you what's up, dude. Yeah, good point. Good point. Yeah. Because yeah. you can always imagine the kind of food you feel like eating, uh, like an apple tree. And where I live, apple trees do not thrive. We don't get a freeze. They do have some variations of apple trees that don't need to freeze, apparently. But really, they're, they're, their production is pretty sparse. They don't really make a ton of apples. They're not the sweet-ass, delicious, juicy apples that you buy at the store. Those dwarf um, trees you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. Like, I have an apple tree in my backyard. I get a couple every year. It's cool, but it's um, it's not like the the areas around here where it gets colder or freezes, uh, apple trees really thrive. So like, I imagine I want an apple tree, but in reality, I've just got this desert thing that makes pseudo apples. So my dad, uh, just grew a ton of grapes. Wow. Yeah. Grapes do great. Grapes honestly like do well everywhere. Different variations do better in different areas, but everywhere has got their strains of grapes that thrive. He also grows blackberries, um, I think he's done almonds in the past. All right. Uh, does a lot of uh, tomatoes. Almonds. I used to have an almond tree at my old house. Oh, that's right. It was right. awesome. Yeah, that's right. You did have an almond tree. That's Dude, a- it was beautiful. It, like, burst into all these, like, pink and white blossoms. So it was a gorgeous tree. And it produced a shitload of almonds. It was wow. awesome. And I've tried to find one since at the new house. Um but I can't find one. I, I admittedly haven't like looked super hard, but I've, I've looked at the nursery I go to a few times, and they never have them. One of these days, I'd love to score on another almond tree because that was awesome, dude. Is maybe this is just a stupid question, but can you buy like raw almonds and just put one of those bad boys in the ground? Or I don't know. Mm. Ain't nobody got no time for that shit. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like seven years before I get to eat an almond. Yeah, that's true. They won't. Although, uh, I planted an avocado tree like eight years ago, and I thought by now I'd be swimming in avocados, <laughs> and I'm not. I'm still buying avocados from stores. Oh, man. Oh, that's going to be a beautiful day, though, when that thing starts dumping avocados in the, all over the ground. Dude, it's 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 our soil. Where we live, the soil is like uh, shitty. It's like cement, basically. Brown cement. And uh, avocado trees, it, it's just not thriving. And I'm not good enough at it, and I don't work at it enough to really add nutrients to the soil and all the stuff that a good planter would do. Yeah. Um, so my poor avocado tree is just sucking enough nutrients out of the dirt to not die. Um, so it's lingering in this like, um, like kind of like half-dead zombie state where it won't die, it won't grow, and it won't make avocados. It's just, it's just there. I feel bad. Saying it out loud makes me feel like a terrible. Uh, <laughs> You're a bad avocado plant daddy. dad. Yeah, yeah, I'm a bad plant daddy. <laughs> just, just pick up a bag of the uh, fertilizer, and then uh, yeah, it's that you know the little bag, and you grab it with your hand, and you just throw it on the ground right there next. That's to what it. I need I'm to do. I feel bad too now. I'm like, man, let's all pitch in to uh, help save this plant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, this avocado tree is. is yeah, no, right? <laughs> we need to start a GoFundMe page. Go uh, go fertilize me page. And uh, You know what I started doing is these little spikes that miracle Grow makes. Maybe other companies make them too, but it's basically just like this hard little railroad spike-shaped thing that is apparently like full of food and nutrients, and you hammer it into the ground a few feet away from the trunk of, of a tree, and, and it apparently you know feeds it, gives the soil the nutrients it needs. And they have different 
spike variations for different types, like a, a type for citrus and then a type for just fucking decorative shrubs or trees or whatever. Um, so I, uh, I put some of those in the ground this spring and it hasn't made a huge difference, honestly, yet. This is what, June, the end of June. Yeah. I probably put it in the ground in like April. So I'm not seeing a ton of, uh, benefit from my food spikes, but, uh, we'll see. Mm. We'll see. Maybe, maybe I'll try some more stuff. Maybe I'll get better at it. Maybe I won't. We'll see. Yeah. Maybe I'll just keep buying avocados at the store. Yeah. One day, maybe it'll produce something. I got hope. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. I lived at a place, um, well, I didn't live there. My dad lived there, my California dad, and he was renting a place that had a huge avocado tree in the backyard. And that yeah. the avocados were just everywhere. Just yeah. you were just like, oh, there's an avocado. I mean, you don't have to look for them. They're all over the place, just falling on the ground. So, I mean, that, when you get a that's big what one, I imagined I would have eventually. Like when I planted that tree eight years ago, I thought, oh man, five or six or so years from now, it's just going to be it's going to be shading my entire property in avocado bearing arms and uh it's not but i remember similar like what you're talking about my grandpa used to have this avocado tree in his backyard that was massive and covered with avocados year round because he had grafted on two or three different types of avocado so he had grafted on like uh, i don't know a, a haas tree and a fuerte tree and whatever a couple of different avocado types so that there was always some of it um, in, in bloom or in production or making avocados like all throughout the year. And it was covered, dude, yeah. like more avocados than any fucking big family could ever eat hundreds, if not thousands all the time. They're, they're amazing trees. They are. Yeah. I bet you wouldn't want when one you of think those about, to hit your head though. No, that no. Avocados hurt. are pretty hard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that would knock the shit out of you. Uh, you didn't think about it too. Like, uh, Obviously, I'm no botanist. <laughs> I'm no expert. I can't grow an avocado tree that makes food. But I wonder, like, because avocado is what they call superfood, right? Like, it's one of the most nutritious, good-for-you pieces of food in the world. I have, it's got all I that agree. great fat yep. and all this, you know, vitamin C or whatever. Like, it's just chock full of goodness. Yep. And it has to pull all of that out of the soil, right? So hmm. for a monster tree like that to grow and and produce a hundred or a thousand avocados that are just chock full of all that avocado goodness um it must be pulling a lot of nutrients out of the soil or maybe it's just like this great converter where it can take a little bit of nutrients out of the ground and turn it into all that avocado-y goodness i don't know yeah i don't know how that works either because it's true it's like why do we have to um add nutrients don't they get I mean, it's got to have somewhere or how does that naturally happen I mean, it's got to come out of the soil. I know that. I mean, some soil is better than others, and you can improve your soil. I know that. I also know that I'm not doing it, so I know that, too. Um, I need to. I'm so lucky I here. I, I have so many. Uh, every time I dig, I, like, hit a, an earthworm. Oh, you got great soil. Yeah, there's earthworms everywhere. They're all over the place. How old is your home? Uh, the house itself was built, I think, in 70... Four, seven, All, six, right. Seven, All right. Six. So that lot was leveled at least 40 years ago, right? Uh, or no, that's, yeah, that's 50 years ago, 40 yeah. something years ago. I'm no mathematician here. Yeah. Anyway, uh -huh. so say, I mean, for all I know, there was a structure on that land before they built this house or 
maybe the land was already flat and it was already acquiring topsoil for God knows how long before they, they started building homes there. Um, so you've got some established soil. In, in our neighborhood, we live in a track home that was built uh, eight years ago. We bought it brand new. And it was hills, pretty dry hills, before they built the track home on it. So it's all like decomposed granite or whatever. It's all compacted by monster bulldozers rolling over it recently. And it hasn't had any time to acquire, to like develop topsoil at all. So it's just, oh, right. dude, the dirt is like concrete. It sucks. Mm. Um, so you're pretty lucky. You can just kind of grow anything, dude. You should get a shitload of like fruit trees and, and uh, all that. Yeah, I'm just like looking at the rest of the property now a little bit more and saying like, hey, how come I don't have blueberries growing all up the the side? Yeah. Like, I don't understand why not. Like, let's Do you just... guys get snow mm-hmm. every year or some yeah. years? Well, every year you get snow? We got snow twice this last year. All it right. wasn't significant, but it was enough to okay. go sledding in. All right. All right. You probably could get a good variety of uh, of fruits and stuff. You should. Yeah. yeah, you got to go make friends at a nursery, dude. Just yeah. start buying some fucking yeah. berry bushes and fruit trees and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, because I want to plant them in the fall, I think. And then yeah. I'm also going to plant some more stuff in uh, August in in my garden too. I'm ex- once you have an I, idea I, it's of so nice, it's so fun. I don't know, I just enjoy. And it. And once you have an idea of what grows there, and you get pretty good at 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 um, you know managing the soil, which doesn't sound like is going to be a big problem for you, but. You can even go online, dude, to these like gardening clubs and like order these special seeds or cuttings of of really great and rare or or just really well bred uh, plants and and fruit trees and flowers and all sorts of shit. Oh, okay. And uh, you can order these things for delivery, and it gets. I mean, you you can you can go down that rabbit hole, dude, and get some incredible stuff. Oh, so like get on the inside club of, of the yeah. gardener. Yeah, these guys know what they're doing. It's not just a local nursery where you go and buy stuff, which a lot of times nurseries have really good stuff, uh-huh. but they are going to be limited. Um, you can get into these like gardening websites where they're selling cuttings and seeds. And I mean, you can you can buy variants from all over the world. Uh, and they even break them down by zone. So the whole planet is like chopped into different zones that have to do with like climate. Yeah, um, 7B. Oh, okay. Well, shit, you're, you're way ahead of me. I know they exist, but I don't even know what one I live in. So you're already there. So you can go onto these garden websites and, and probably filter your search results by Zone 7B, and it'll show you all the shit that should grow in your in your, uh, in your your zone. I feel like I'll walk into one of those clubs, and I'll be like, hey, Johnny, give me the seeds. <laughs> Let me have the seeds, man. Where do I find the seeds? You got seeds? the stuff? I got the money. You got the yeah. stuff? <laughs> Yeah, you got the you got those blueberry cuttings. Come on, man! I've been waiting for them all week. Give me give me my fix. Where's the blueberries, Johnny? I need my blueberry fix. Yeah, you're gonna be getting into some uh, some black market shit on there, dude. Yeah, I'll find a get way. some illegal plants like like tobacco or something that that's super illicit. You know that uh, that you're not allowed to grow. Is tobacco illegal? Oh, of course it is. It's, yeah, it's yeah, they need to control that horse, shit, huh? dude. Or also, tobacco not. like no, it's not. I should should not say that. Tobacco wrecks your soil, dude. Uh, apparently, like, I learned this in history books when I learned about, like, early America, like, colonial America. Um, a big part of why Europe colonized the Americas was to grow tobacco. Um, because Virginia tobacco was, like, super good and not that expensive, and there was plenty of ground out here to grow tobacco and, and plenty of soil to ruin. So yeah. they started growing a lot of tobacco, and it just rapes the soil of all the nutrients. And colonists weren't good at like rotating 
um, growing fields. So instead of, you know, uh, growing a couple of crops on a, on a piece of land and then letting it regenerate, they would just fucking use the soil all up and ruin it and then move on like locusts. Um, and, and, uh, so yeah, apparently tobacco is one of the most taxing things you can grow. That makes Uh, sense. I lived in Virginia for, um, a couple few-ish years. Did you? Yeah. Uh, on a military base. Well, we lived at Fort Belvoir, but before we moved on to base, uh, we lived off base because sometimes right. you, you have to like wait for housing on base, which is okay. super cheap and it's nice to live on base because it's super safe too. But um, my point, what I was going to say is that Virginia is, it's, it is relatively brown. Like if huh. you compare it to... Um, uh, Maryland or definitely or like the Carolinas or Carolina. are incredibly green, you know? Yeah. 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 Huh. So yeah, that, I mean, I'm, I don't wonder know if, if that has to do with, uh, tobacco. Yeah. Early Virginian colonists just wrecking the soil. I wonder. Yeah. Huh. I'd like to spend more time on the East coast. I love history. I'd love to just go spend time on like old civil war battlefields or even revolutionary war era battlefields. And, yeah. And just kind of be where those things took place. And there's so much history back there uh, compared to where I live here on the West Coast. We have a lot of history here, but I don't know. It's just different. Uh, whereas back on the East Coast, there's, I don't know, some pretty interesting history. You're going to like this one. I lived in another place in Virginia uh, That's called that was called Vent Hill Farm Station. And okay. it was a military base. And it... It had a red brick building that was right pushed up against a fence um, in this enormous field. And right when you're driving into the base, in that building is where they cracked the code, the cryptography code for the Germans in World War II. Really? Those code breakers? I've seen stuff on them. Right there in Vent Hill Farm Station. Mm -hmm. Yeah, wow. Yep. Those guys were incredible. So many incredible feats of ingenuity, of bravery, and all that were born of the Second Civil War. I mean, the Second World War. Um, I think that's true in a lot of wars. Like, mother or necessity is the mother of all invention, right? Yeah. I don't know who said that, but it but yeah. it's totally true. Yeah. In war times, uh, that's definitely urgent necessity uh, on all sorts of different levels during wartime. So, of course, more things are going to be invented and more more uh, ways of doing things are going to be discovered or forced. But World War II is, is a particularly pivotal time in our history where it was this just war on a scale that was never seen. And then also coupled with an industrial revolution or a manufacturing revolution or, or just this giant change from, from the 19th century way of doing things to this modern... 20th century way of doing things with things like, you know, uh, jets and, and, uh, weapons of war that, that were just on a different scale from like world war one for sure. Uh, world war two was, was incredible. And then things like carrier warfare is just fucking interesting, man. I mean, it would be incredibly terrifying to be a part of any of that kind of stuff. And it's amazing that the way the pilots fought those wars and having to take off and land on an aircraft carrier just on its own would be uh, insanely scary and, and impressive, but let alone doing it in the midst of uh, aerial battles and, 
and the stress of war it just it's it's just mind-boggling it's it's endlessly interesting to me yeah it is it's um there's so many mixed feelings about just war in general that i have and it's like sometimes uh who knows exactly why it ends up happening but it's like if you think about it every border uh to every state to every country to everything was defined by some sort of skirmish or some sort of war well yeah and and okay so it just boils down to the raw human nature of controlling the area around you and fighting for resources at the most raw level right um and tribalism yeah, yeah, but tribalism is all just a a, a product of that same need to survive, control yeah. your surroundings because and you're survive. you're better able to control your surroundings as a group. So you're going to be careful about who that group is. So you have a collective interest of surviving and providing for your family, and you need to control the area around yourself to to hunt and and grow food and um, gather food and whatever. So you need to keep other tribes or other people away from it from eating your resources. So you're stronger as a group, but the size of that group is key because if you have too many people, you're going to overrun the resources and start fighting amongst yourselves. Um, and if you don't have enough people, you're weak and the other surrounding tribes will take you over and steal your food. Uh, so it's this ongoing push-pull of, of survival necessity that drives us to be um, territorial and tribal. And that just manifests itself into war that increases in size and severity and technological advancement as we as we increase in number and become smarter and have more tools to work with. Um, so you're right, though. It is this mix of feeling about it where it's impressive. Uh, it's interesting, but it's also just so awful and, and brings out the worst of human nature, but really the most basic of human nature. So it's hard to call it the worst because yeah. it's based on our just need for survival and self-perpetuation. Uh, but it is just, uh, you know, it's just heart-wrenching, the, the kind of atrocities that go on in war, obviously. That doesn't need to be said. No, I like your summation there of tribalism. And I should say, too, I do want to mention, like, I'm not anti-tribalism. It, we are tribalistic. That's just what people are. We have no so, choice. Yeah, and it's a survival mechanism, like you said. Sure. You know, it's really yeah. just... You have to, and that was a good summary about how many people in your tribe too, and you know, you mm-hmm. know, kind of sustaining that. And as time has gone on, you know, that that uh, how to sustain a larger and larger tribe has kind of been um, part of uh, the United States in a way. Uh, everywhere, every society, everywhere, yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, we have all these examples of societies that have ex- exceeded their. Um, areas ability to sustain their numbers and then they collapse or expand or conquer surrounding areas um or break apart and move on um that that kind of stuff just happens over and over again all over the place Uh, so so back on the like why it happens would you say that i mean what's coming to my mind is that it's it's always about a resource right not enough water not enough food on that land or or um what else could it be? I guess what what else could cause a war? Could cause a war, yeah, because well, in that case you think you're like, going to have mass migration, right, or something. Yes, so yeah, certainly necessity and resources and that sort of thing are are one of the major 
factors. Um, but then it also comes down to uh, egotism, where you yeah. know you have a society where like one egotistical uh, person drives himself to a point of power and then to serve his own ego and grandeur and seek search for glory and all that kind of shit. Uh, he's he's going to go out and and start fights and and impose his will on more and more people purely based on ego. So that part is there. But even that ego is a product of our inherent territorialism, tribalism, and need to dominate resources. It's some, just yeah. some of it, might it just be turns ego. into a really terrible form of it, you know. Yeah, some of it might be ego. I'm thinking probably a lot of it would be greed. More of it would be greed. Um, sure, yeah, greed. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and there's certainly a lot of ego within greed. But I don't know. I mean, I think even yeah, greed you're right. You're right. <laughs> boils down to those those um, tribal resource uh, tendencies. It's just manifested into a different and and less justified way um so yeah i don't know i mean people are just imperfect right so some people kind of take our our inherent proclivity to uh find resources and provide for our families and take that to a different level of self-aggrandizement uh taking more than they really need um dominating other people and denying them what they would need for no real good reason i think that's just all part of the imperfection of humanity yeah and it gets out of control sometimes you know like with a with a hitler or a stalin or so many examples of people like overstepping reasonable bounds and becoming just a egomaniac yeah you yeah, know no, very good points you're a history buff i enjoy history a lot uh i don't know i mean i talk to some people too who can certainly um best me on specific knowledge of specific time things or whatever. So I don't pretend to be like the, the history expert of all time periods, but I do really enjoy reading about history. And sometimes I wonder like why I enjoy it so much. I enjoy nonfiction reading way more than I enjoy fiction. I, I don't know that I, I, I've only read a handful of novels. I don't enjoy them that much. And even when I read a novel, it's, it's, tied to some other historical period or idea that that I feel like a novel fills in a good gap and is worth the time. Other than that, dude, it's all nonfiction. Um, I'm the same way. You, you too? Nonfiction, yeah. Um, I'm not so much on history, but a little bit more. But part of that history probably reason, I mean, another thing, uh, feather in your cap for, for enjoying history is your grandfather was close to General MacArthur. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. So I've got some neat things in my historical family tree. So my grandpa, my mom's dad, my maternal grandfather, he served on MacArthur's Honor Guard, which was this hand-picked force of of just a few hundred soldiers who were basically assigned as his personal bodyguard or his personal guard while he was serving um, overseas. So my grandpa was assigned to MacArthur's Honor Guard in Japan um, after the Korean War. And he, you know, like I tried to press him like, so you knew General MacArthur. And he's like, yes, but you don't know a five-star general. It's not like we were hanging out, you know, like bros, but 
We did see each other every day. He would nod to me as he walked out the door, just like he would any other member of his honor guard. So it's like, yes, I knew him, but I didn't know him, know him, you know? Yeah, they didn't break bread. Yeah, yeah, we weren't, like, friends. I mean, I was a part of his honor guard, so yes, I knew him, but we weren't, like, you know, fucking hanging out on the weekends and shit. Although, my grandpa did have a particularly awesome assignment. I don't know if it was, like, the whole time he was in the honor guard, but at some point, he was assigned to um, MacArthur's personal residence in Japan, and he his duty was to um, hang out by the pool and watch MacArthur's son, Arthur MacArthur, um, swim and basically I mean so obviously it wasn't every day I'm sure he didn't swim every day but what some of what my grandpa did was stand by the pool and watch Arthur MacArthur uh, Doug MacArthur's son swimming and make sure he was safe I guess serve as a lifeguard or just kind of keeping an eye on him and General MacArthur's wife Mrs. MacArthur her name was Jean Marie MacArthur um, would bring out like lemonade and stuff for my grandpa. And I don't know if he was like on this duty alone or if there was a handful of other honor guard soldiers that were also there. But um, yeah, so my grandpa actually got to know and really, really respect MacArthur's wife, Jean Marie MacArthur, um, during this time. I guess they got fairly close. He didn't really elaborate on how close. Like, did they sit and chat or he just really liked her because she brought him lemonade? I don't know. But his whole life, he had this super deep, respect and admiration and had just nothing but the most gushing good things to say about Mrs. MacArthur. She made a big impact on him. And dig this, dude. Uh, I became interested in General MacArthur kind of toward the end of my grandpa's life and then really started reading some history books about MacArthur after my grandpa passed. And I feel like I missed this great opportunity to ask him about this because... General MacArthur's wife's name was Jean Marie. My mom, my grandfather's firstborn kid, my mom, his oldest daughter, his oldest daughter, her name is Jean Marie. <laughs> and when I when I learned this, my grandpa was already passed, and I heard this in a book, oh. and 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 I'm like, okay, so Mrs. MacArthur's name, who was was my Mrs. MacArthur's name was Jean Marie. This lady who my grandfather respected and admired above all others, his first daughter is named Jean Marie. This is not a coincidence. No, that's uh, so cool. He named my mom, his first daughter, <laughs> after Jean Marie MacArthur. That's right? awesome. Oh, and I love your mom, too. How cool of a story is that? I'm so so I, as soon as I heard that, I called my mom, and I was like, hey, <laughs> do you know Mrs. MacArthur's first name? And she goes, no. I go, really? You, you don't know her name? No, it's Mrs. MacArthur. My dad loved her. He talked about her all the time. I'm like, her name's Jean Marie. She's like, huh. I'm like, what do you mean, huh? Like, that's not fucking groundbreaking for you? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> You were named after Mrs. MacArthur. Grandpa never said anything? Like, you, oh, oh, you're you're named after the woman I admire above all others? Like, he never said anything? He's like, she, my mom was like, no, no, he never never came up. Huh. That's all, all right. Well, fuck. And he was already passed at this point, so I couldn't go ask him, like, hey, you named my mom after Mrs. MacArthur, right? <laughs> Obviously, the answer is yes. How could it be anything else? You will never uh, know for sure. I, I can never. I, 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 I will never get closure on this. And it kills me. And my mom does not seem that interested in it anyway. And I'm like, I, I can't wrap my head around it. You just want to. Sh- yeah, that's a good story. That's a, that's right? a great story. Yeah, I, no, dude, I, I kind of share your opinion there. I think your mom should be a little bit more impressed. I mean, she, and I she love thinks it's mom. cool. I, She's I, like, Jeannie, I, yeah. I love you. I'm not. Yeah. Yeah, my mom my mom's kinda like, Oh, that's kinda neat. I'm like, 
kind kind of neat. You're named after. <laughs> I mean, that, that's like, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Shit, man. That's cool. You know what else is kind of a on a on a nerdy history tangent is, my grandpa served General Douglas MacArthur, uh, like toward the end of the Korean War and definitely after the Korean War during uh, Japan's occupation or or whatever around those eras in the fifties, and my grandpa's grandpa um my okay so sorry so my my grandpa who served under Doug who served in the honor guard under Douglas MacArthur his mom was the daughter of a civil war veteran uh his name was Abraham Passwater and he served in the 75th Indiana Volunteer Infantry and his unit was in the battle of Chickamauga and Missionary Ridge these were big battles fought fucking right near you, dude. These really? are battles fought like right near the Tennessee Georgia border, oh. and um, uh, right near um, Chattanooga. I don't know how far away from Chattanooga yeah, you about are. About an hour and a half. You should come okay. out here. Oh, I, dude, I, I, I would yeah. bore the shit out of you with this stuff, Let's dude. Go yeah, there. Like, Let's do it. Yeah. So we would go to Chattanooga. The Battle of Chickamauga happened. I think Chattanooga, or Chickamauga is actually right in North Georgia after the Union Army lost the Battle of Chickamauga. They retreated back to Chattanooga. They were, like, under siege in Chattanooga and starving and shit. Um, then right after Chattanooga, the Union Army fought their way out of Chattanooga and then fought this battle called Missionary Ridge, where they um, where they beat the Confederacy. Now, in that battle, um, Douglas MacArthur's father, Arthur MacArthur, was a super conspicuous soldier and and did like incredible service right there at the uh, Battle of Missionary Ridge. So Arthur MacArthur served in some of the same battles as my grandpa's grandpa, and then later on, his son Douglas MacArthur and the Civil War guy's grandson uh, were together in Japan, where you know obviously a uh, little bit of a difference in rank between uh, five star general and guy serving in the honor guard, but still kind of cool, dude. Yeah, that, I don't know if I did a, a good job of explaining no, yeah, all that. Well, it's kind of a mess. Here, here's where I was not clear. The one piece. Arthur MacArthur, who is your grandfather's father, right? Wait, Arthur MacArthur is General MacArthur's dad. Oh, General. So, oh, gotcha. Okay. Okay, here's, I, I here's part now, of what's right. confusing, that too. That so, not family, but, they're, but still you're... Yeah, no, uh, we're not related to the MacArthur's at all. Uh, we just kind of served uh, alongside them in two different eras. So... General MacArthur, General Douglas MacArthur, the World War II general, was the son of a Civil War vet. The Civil War vet had really awesome, uh, glorious service at this Battle of Missionary Ridge, which my great-great-grandfather was a part of. Then that guy got super old, had a daughter. That daughter got, uh, grew up, had a son. That son was my grandpa. He's the guy who served on General Douglas MacArthur, Arthur MacArthur's son, he served on his honor guard. And then uh, General Douglas MacArthur had a son. Uh, he named him after his dad, Arthur MacArthur. And that's the kid that my grandpa watched swim in a pool at the American Embassy in Japan while Mrs. Jean Marie MacArthur was bringing him lemonade. See, I can see why you enjoy history now because your family is like so intertwined with these MacArthurs. Yeah, man. You're like, who knows? You might even know a MacArthur right now, or you. There's a MacArthur you might come into contact know. with, or your sons might like. Oh, I get. I guarantee one thing: if you meet somebody and their last name's MacArthur, you're going to stand at attention. 
Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. You'd be yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah wait totally. A <laughs> I don't, I don't know if there's any surviving. Actually, I, I, I don't think there are any surviving uh, prominent uh, military MacArthur's because uh, General Douglas MacArthur's son, Arthur MacArthur, the kid that my grandpa watched swim in a pool, grew up and wanted nothing to do with the military. Um, he grew up on military bases. Uh, he was exposed as anybody ever could be to military action and the highest levels of military goings on. And I, apparently when he grew up, he just went in a completely different direction and became like something of an artist or a musician or much more of a creative type of a guy instead of a military kind of guy. And to my understanding, he like changed his name and I think he's still alive today, but uh, goes by a totally different name and dropped the MacArthur name and wanted like nothing to do with the legacy of, of or maybe the burden of being uh, Doug MacArthur's son. If you are a MacArthur and you're out there listening, please give Mike a call. Yeah, yeah, we can like have a beer and I'll bore you with my uh, very um, minute connection to your family's military greatness. I don't think that's minute. <laughs> it's pretty minute. Well, it's very uh, interesting nonetheless. My great-great-grandpa happened to be in the same unit with thousands of other guys. And then uh, my grandpa happened to serve on General MacArthur's Honor Guard, which is which is pretty cool. It's very cool because it's a very elite group of people who are a part of MacArthur's Honor Guard. Uh, but, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's my family's military history. You got any cool military dudes in your family tree? Um, or any famous people? Any, like, inventors or any uh, anything notable? Have you dug into your family tree? Um, a little bit. Not much. I don't know anything about... I don't know not anything, but I don't know a whole lot about my family tree, really. Huh. Um, I do have a book of the Dieters, though. You told me about that. Yeah. And I was freaking out, like, how have you not dug into all you have this incredible resource of information and it kills yeah. me just like my mom being named after mrs macarthur and not knowing it and not really caring much no it's true you know i have dug into it. i i have spent a total i would say about an hour in the book going back but you're right no it it, it is kind of interesting but here's here's the thing that is not odd but you would be amazed at how many deeters there are like there's just so many even though like i know you've probably never met another deeter and i i've never met another deeter but there's there's a good a relatively good number huh so You're prolific yeah 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 all right well and, um, and so so it's you know maybe i should trace it back up the family tree a little bit more though yeah i should create the family tree you're right it would be you should well i don't know creating a family tree i've 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 dabbled in that and that became disinteresting uh or uninteresting or i just wasn't into it and i don't know why because i love history so much but it felt a little bit like a puzzle and i i guess i wasn't into the puzzle aspect of it i i kind of like uh, identifying interesting branches and doing a lot of work on understanding that branch. And I don't really care about some of the other branches, you know what I mean? And you really have to care about every branch to build a complete, uh, family tree. Um, but some people really enjoy that. So maybe you should. The only thing I would be looking for is like, Oh, Hey, let me look up there. Oh, am I like that guy? Am I like that guy? Am I like, Oh, that? and that's you know, tough. What? Yeah, because I mean, the what they do for a living, you know, when you're dealing with such minimal pieces of information, like some fucking census, 
you're not going to learn a lot about them other than like, oh, this guy was born in 1832. He was a farmer and had three kids uh, in this particular year of the census. Like, all right. Doesn't tell you a lot about the kind of guy he was, but it is neat to know like where they lived and what they did. Um, Another cool thing about census reporting back then is they would mark whether or not the person was literate. So that's kind of interesting because so many people in the old days were not literate. Um, My great-great-grandpa, who served in the Civil War, was marked as not literate uh, back in the old, like, 1860s or 70s census information that I found. Oh, interesting. You know what else is cool, too, is when you... Military reporting is obviously just a sea of of reports and data. Um, Well, particularly on the Union side, not so much on the Confederate side. And every following war uh, is just a a wealth of information stored somewhere. Where when I found what my my grandpa, who he was and what unit he served in, they have a, a data archive place in D.C. or something that you can pay online for someone to go and dig out all the shit related to this specific person for you. And I want to say it costs like 30 or 40 bucks uh, on this website. So I just paid for, hey, this soldier, uh, I want all the information you have in your archives about him. And here's my 40 bucks. And it really only took a couple of days or a week or whatever. And then they email you a PDF of every document in their entire archive pertaining to this particular guy. And they scan it all and send it to you because it's all handwritten in fucking file cabinets or something. Wow. And, uh, so I got an email with just every document related to his wartime service uh, that they had in this in this uh, um, archive, and it was really interesting, dude. I found like when when you know, and they they uh, it's obviously not a lot of like day to day stuff. Um, it's reports regarding um, leaves of absence, any kind of hospital uh, stays and descriptions of, of, of sicknesses or wounds or whatever, that sort of stuff, you know, those milestones through military service. But it was super cool to get this whole just, um, compilation of all the documents related to my ancestor in this war. It was neat. You know, my grandfather, uh, was a navigator in world war two. Wow. On a plane. Yeah. He wanted to be a pilot, uh, but he didn't, his eyesight wasn't as good. So a navigator. So he flew, he was like riding in the back behind the pilot, right? Um, I mean, was he in yeah, a plane? The navigator's in the plane, right? Yeah, I guess he would be behind him, huh? Yeah, because not a co-pilot, but the navigator, yeah. Well, and it depends what type of plane. Uh, so on some of these bombers, there were crews of, I don't know, half a dozen. I really don't know. But um, there'd be a good handful of guys where one guy is in that little half sphere thing on the belly of the plane with a machine gun that rotates around, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's a pilot obviously. And there's, I imagine a navigator and, and some other guy manning the rear gun firing back on anyone trailing him. He never talked about his experiences really, but man, I, I would love to have known that though, because did you ever press him for it? Not really. No, I was kind of young and not really interested in that stuff, but it did intrigue me though. Um, but yeah. he just he just would never mention it. Um, was it something where you you learned what you do know about him from someone else? Um, no, he wasn't ashamed to like tell his experiences or anything. Uh, in fact, but he wouldn't like, really like volunteer a lot of info or talk about himself. That's such an old school guy thing too. A lot of modesty, you know. Yeah, he wouldn't talk about himself, but he did. He did have some old newspaper clippings from when he. Um, 
got drafted by the Detroit Tigers in Whoa. 1942 or something. Okay. 41. Wow. Yeah, he got he was a pitcher and he was pitching in AAA and he pitched a no-hitter. Okay. And well, actually it wasn't a no-hitter. Uh it was he tells the story where it was the very last out and he pitched a no-hitter and it was the very last out and it was just a very routine pop fly and the shortstop missed it. Wow. And other than that, it was a no-hitter. And and when he did that, they brought him right up. They're like, you're coming up. Wow. Yeah. Did he did he play for the Tigers? or No, he didn't. He got drafted right after that. So oh. the draft happened. Oh. He got drafted in the war. Wow. Yeah. Hard to imagine that World War II draft um, because... So many, like, dude, status didn't matter. It didn't matter what you were doing. I mean, fucking like Elvis got drafted, you know, like super famous people got drafted still. there It wasn't like I imagine a draft would be today, like a very selective process of like, oh, we're going to draft you, uh, you know, unless you're unless you're on reality TV, because then you're too valuable to a network and, and uh, yeah. we won't draft you. I don't know if that'd be the case. I assume it would. Hey, or if I'm on reality that. TV. You will not draft me. Yeah, my name is Kardashian. I am undraftable. Like, oh, sorry, sir. Uh, please go on being a dipshit. On I am TV. Kardashian's cook. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, no, we can't deprive them of their, their food, so we'll go draft some other peon. <laughs> it's hard to imagine a draft these days. But drafts in those days... I don't know how well days, that would go, yeah. So many stories of, of these patriotic guys. Maybe Maybe they weren't all patriotic. Maybe they were kind of pissed they got drafted, but... You know that image you have of this this the, the greatest generation is like your grandpa got a lot going for him. Sound like a smart guy, obviously great at fucking baseball. Gets drafted by the Detroit Tigers like, "Hey, I'm going to I'm going to go to the majors. I've got a future here. Oh, there's a war and I've been drafted. Time to strap on the uniform and go kill some Nazis." Yeah, and wow. he didn't he didn't complain all about right. it at all. He just told the story. You know, he's not like, "Oh, I didn't get to play for the Detroit Tigers." He just yeah. you know, that's just what happened. You're right about the greatest generation. It was the greatest generation. Oh, yeah, they, in so many ways. They just, they know how to make life simple and keep life simple. Like, hey, stop, uh-huh. you're overthinking it. Uh, don't, you know, they really did. I mean, they, the thing that they had that we didn't have, but I think we're starting to learn, unfortunately, is how to get through a real hard time. And the uh-huh. whole consensus was like, buck up, you're fine. You know, just, grit. Yeah. It, yeah. It makes your character. They were full of grit. Uh, whereas, at least until recently, and man, still now, maybe it'll change. Hopefully it changes a little bit, but a lot of whining and what about me? And I don't want to do that. And I'm bored. And a lot of just sniveling bitchitude, yeah. uh, in, in, in a lot of other time frames now included is maybe especially, um, but yeah, during that time in the forties, when that war broke out, um, uh, people just fucking manned up and womaned up. I mean, you can't degrade women's role in that war either. I mean, they really stepped up, dude. Came out of the home, went into the factories, made the bullets, um, and supported the war effort and society in general in so many different ways. And then, like, so often in American history, and it's not ex- exclusive to America, but, like, so often in American history, we used up um, the the efforts and motivations of, of, like, in this case, women. And then at the end of it, we were like, Okay, thanks, but uh, now shut your mouths and get back into the kitchen, uh, you know, for the most part, um, which is which is a sad reality and a repeating reality in American history. 
Same thing for like black people, you know, through so many different wars, including the Revolutionary War, we used so many different black soldiers and then didn't give them shit afterwards. After the Civil War, so many blacks fought bravely in the Civil War, hoping to win their freedom. And maybe some did, but in general, like things didn't really improve for black people after the Civil War. Obviously, slavery ended. Uh, Okay, so that's a loaded thing to say. Um, After the Civil War, slavery ended, but it didn't end for long. Um, There was this period for a few years after the Civil War where a lot of slaves were uh, blessed with some more freedom of lifestyle. In a lot of cases, not so much. Um, Legally, sure, the status of slavery changed, but in reality, for so many of them, life didn't change at all or even got much harder or worse. And then slavery was entirely reinstituted during like the Reconstruction era through things like peonage laws and uh, uh, even just social oppression, um, where it would have been more fucked up to be a black person in the South, like in the 1870s, I think, than leading right up to the Civil War. But it's hard to compare the two because I think the answer is it would fucking suck to be a black person in the South and in many other places in the country. Fucking not like the North was all peaches and cream either. Oh, yeah, they had slaves. And even if they didn't own slaves, they were still racist assholes on a large scale. Sure, not everybody, but not everybody in the South was a racist asshole either. They were just much more common in the South. But the North was not uh, some overall enlightened people that were... were, uh, by any means consistent with what we would hold as a non-racist person today. Um, I mean, shit, they have accounts of all sorts of union generals that would write things down to the effect of, uh, you know, black people are obviously less, uh, are obviously like inferior to whites, things like that. Like the most racist thing you could possibly say. Um, Tons of the prominent union generals um, that were apparently fighting to end slavery uh, had horrible opinions of black people, you know? Yeah. Um, but I don't know, dude. I mean, it's, it's somewhat of a waste of time to look back at those eras and judge them with our modern mindsets. Uh, and racism is such a, that was the consent, whatever, whatever it was, how even how horrific it is that it, it was and still is to our standards today. It was like something that, somehow got embedded into the fabric of society yeah and of course it all stemmed from ignorance uh so an ignorant people who were told all their lives and brought up to believe that say black people were genetically inferior had no basis of scientific knowledge or any access to information to prove otherwise so they just went on through their lives thinking what they were told was right you know uh And in so many cases, people who were placed in situations where they got to know uh, black people or serve with a black regiment or see that they were just like anybody else. Uh, You know, some people are good. Some people are bad. Wow, these people are just as good as soldiers as any of the white soldiers. Some of them are incredibly brave. I'm sure not all of them are brave because not all of anybody is anything. Uh, um, People on an individual level became more familiar with the... uh, the equality that was inherent in other human beings, regardless of skin color, which is such an obvious thing to say, but wasn't so obvious back then when they didn't have access to um, broad knowledge like we have now. 
which is why nowadays racism is so much more inexcusable, I think, than it was a long time ago, because there is no, there is no shortage of knowledge available to people these days. Uh, you can't blame it on ignorance. You can blame it on stupidity, but you can't blame it on ignorance anymore. We've all got smartphones and Google and, and endless supplies of news and information, and any statistic you're curious about is readily available at your fingertips. If you choose not to use it, then that is willful ignorance, and that's your fault. I think the societal pressures are um, pretty much people don't. If they are racist, I don't think, you know, they, they keep it under wraps now. So I don't think mm. that, that I think they much. did. That seems to not be the case so much anymore. It used to be really? something they kept kind of hush-hush. No? Who's, who, uh, who's outwardly racist? I don't, like, who? Like, what, people I personally know or, or like, public figures? Well, you, you're saying that you see it more often now. Uh, yeah. I mean... Okay, so like during the the Trump years, um, you would see a lot more demonstrations in public that had racial overtones or a racial part to the message. Things that looked a whole lot like KKK marches were going on that you haven't seen since the fucking 60s and the civil rights era were happening in just the most recent few years. So a Trump That's, rally, you mean? Because I not necessarily I see... Trump rallies, but oh, during the that... Trump years, I'm not blaming things on him. I've got my own opinions on. Uh, I don't even get political and all that, but because uh, that's annoying. But things that happened during those years, those were some pretty, pretty volatile and contentious years. And demonstrations happened in a lot of places, dude, on local areas, not not just on a national. Uh, level, a lot of them had these weird racial um, tones to them, or people who chose to participate that were clearly super racist, chanting things, wearing things, oh, displaying yeah, symbols. I think I know big which, time racism. You're talking about that. Um, well, I think there's been a few. I mean, there, there's some. Yeah, there, there's there's some that were like standout examples, but even in general, dude, like, um, I don't know, like. Here in California, we get a lot of a lot of hating on Mexicans and and stuff like that, and that kind of stuff, dude, is is uh, just feels like knuckle dragging to me. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's pretty much not evolved to to. I don't know. Treat people Racism like feels that. like a lot of work to me. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's just easier to like let every other human just go about their 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 business. Uh, I don't want to worry about what you're doing or what the government's giving you or not giving you or special benefits you may be getting or not getting or I may be getting or not getting. And it's like, eh, God, dude, this is all like this. I don't know. It just feels like a lot of work. And I don't care. We're all fine. There's enough yep. resources. Let's yep. all just stop being dicks. Let's all just yeah, go to work, support our family, have a little fun here and there. Just stop being an asshole. Yeah. Yeah. No, right? it, it, I, I thought things were moving more in that direction. I think they are. Um where people are are not being so much like that, but um, I, you know, I guess maybe you have a different opinion on that. It sounds like, but I don't know. Maybe I just look at different things than you do. Maybe, maybe I don't know. You feel like we're less racist than we were? I don't know. 
I it feels mean, like maybe in some ways. I mean, it's, yes. it's definitely like where there would be subtly accepted in some kind of instances is most definitely not accepted really anywhere that I can see. You, you know what? what is a weird thing I've noticed is normally younger people are less racist than the preceding generation. Yeah. Uh, and I think that is still generally true. But I'm noticing more and more young people that are buying into a close-minded, conservative um, outlook than I used to. And that's concerning to me. Because um, I want my kid to grow up in a very accepting, uh, progressive, uh, more enlightened uh, world than I grew up in. And I think we all want that for our kids. But I don't, I don't see that entirely being the case. Sometimes I think kids push back a little bit against the generation that came before them. For sure. Yeah. I mean, so, that's why styles recycle, right? Yeah. We're back to baggy pants. So like when I was young in the 90s, we all wore gigantic fucking pants, like 10 sizes too big for ourselves. And uh, I think that's because our parents wore like pretty tight jeans and tight shirts yeah. or just normal fitting jeans and whatever. So we want to be the opposite, right? We want to do something different than what our, our parents, our preceding generation wore. And then after us, kids started wearing fucking skinny jeans and all that kind of stuff because they want to be different than their parents who grew up in the 90s. And then now we're recycling back again to where kids are starting to wear the 90s and 80s shit again. The super baggy pants, the girls are wearing like the high-waisted jeans and all that. Like that's all coming back from the eras when I was a little kid. So I'm not even the preceding generation anymore. I'm the preceding, preceding generation, which makes me feel very old to say that out loud. But that's what's happening. I mean, so wanting to be the opposite of the generation just before you um, shows itself clearly in, in, in the cycles of style. I thought it was funny the day that you found out that baggy pants weren't cool anymore because <laughs> you were like, you're with Sarah. And I think Sarah like informed you like, hey baggy you can't wear baggy pants anymore and, and you came to me and you're like did you know that you can't wear baggy pants anymore like what the hell and i can't wear socks anymore either like with my shorts like what's going on <laughs> that's totally a 90s guy thing or definitely like a, a california uh bro kind of a thing where you wear like long shorts like dicky shorts and and super high crew socks like black crew socks uh and like vans shoes or something and to me, that looks totally normal. And then, yeah, at some point not too long ago, all the dudes started wearing, like, the super low socks. And uh, that seemed very gay to me. Yeah, uh, I know. I couldn't hardly handle it. Or, or don't wear socks at all. And I'm like, I got to wear socks. And then you wear how those, can you not those wear little itty-bitty socks? socks. And I'm just like, these, are, these do nothing. Yeah. Yeah, those tiny little, like, girl, like, booty socks that, that you don't even show up above the, 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 the low-top shoes you're wearing. Yeah, and you're showing. Your I totally ankle felt off. that like, way. Tell the truth. Yeah. you look down and you see your ankle. You're like, ew, I can't want to see my ankle. Yeah, no one wants to see your ankle, yeah, dude. And when and and then I, I will admit, I, I made that switch at some point. So I started wearing like the lower socks, and then I started. I even have a drawer full of those super like the little girl socks that you can't see. Uh, and when I first started wearing those girl socks, I had like the white tan line. Uh, oh. <laughs> right above my ankle bone, you know, where it was obvious that I just switched my style because uh, my foot was glowing white and my my uh, my ankle and calf was super brown. 
Um, so it was very obvious that I was, I was transitioning to the low sock style. Yeah. You pulled those socks way up, man. You had those things up to your calf. That's what like, was cool, man. Yeah, that's yeah. what it was. You had black socks pulled up to your calf, and then you black had socks long all the way shorts. up, and really long shorts that damn near the bottom of the shorts damn near touched the top of your socks. Yeah, I think they did. I don't think you could really see a leg or anything. If you go, no, no, I remember seeing. You just a have leg. like a an inch of tan leg and a one inch band around the upper part of your your shin, where the bottom of your shorts and the top of your socks almost touched. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, those were funny hairstyles, too, from the 90s. I remember Ron had a, a funny hairstyle that I feel like was very, um, was very, uh, was very that era, where oh, he, he had... shaved his entire head, except his bangs, and his bangs were really long, uh-huh. and then he pushed his bangs straight back on the top of his oh, shaved head. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and yeah. He, and he gelled it. Yeah, 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 totally. But, you know, when he's, like, playing soccer or doing something or whatever, it would obviously, like, end up, like, falling down in his face or whatever. So he'd have to, like, keep pushing his bangs back uh, over the top of his shaved head. And it was very normal for the time because it was a cool haircut. But now looking, ba- looking back on it, I'm like, that was a fucking weird haircut. Well, you went through a lot of iterations of a lot of different hair colors and a lot of different spikes. And oh, spikes yeah. And- oh, dude, like most young people, I, I tried all sorts of different... Uh, styles and and everything. I just you know trying to figure out who you are, right? I remember you bleached it. I was there one time when you bleached it, and then yeah, I've done that a bunch actually. I think you had um, silver and blue. And, yeah, I used uh, to dye my hair a lot of weird colors in my early punk rock band days. So yeah, I'd you're like, a punk rock band. You had what do you expect though? You know, like you're in a yeah, punk rock yeah, band. totally. So I mean, I just I just swallowed that persona and just became that. And so I would dye my hair all kinds of weird colors. But before you dye your hair blue or red or green or whatever, you got to bleach it white so that the colored dye sticks. Um, so I'd bleach the shit out of my hair and then dye it blue or green or whatever, or red or blue is my favorite. I did that a bunch of times. I was a blue hair guy. And then <laughs> I remember a lot of times I'd be playing drums and I sweat like a motherfucker. You remember that, dude? I used to be a sweaty, sweaty guy. And uh, I'd play drums, and I'd be so sweaty. It looked like I just jumped into a pool. My shirt would be soaked to the bone, like literally as wet as if you jumped in a pool. And I would just have, like, blue hair dye sweating and streaming down my face after a show. I think I remember um, that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I do But, remember you know, that. what are you going to do? Got to look cool. <laughs> you fucking wailed on those drums, man. Shit. You know how to play some drums. This man right here knows how to play some drums. That was fun, man. Those were fun days. The double kick pedal. What is it? Yeah. Double bass pedal? Yeah, yeah. Double, double bass. Yeah, double bass. Yep, yep. You know what's funny now is I still love drums. I hardly ever get to play. I still have a drum kit set up in my garage. I haven't actually played my drum kit in, I don't know how long, dude, a year or two years or whatever. But I go out there all the time and fuck with it where now all I do is I put my boy on it. Uh, he's two now. So I'll put my two-year-old on my drums, and he likes to play them all the time. So I find all my musical joy in watching him hit my drums. You show, you get on there and show him a little bit, right? Just be like, I have hey, once or twice. Yeah. He doesn't want to watch me play. He's oh. not into it. Oh. <laughs> I, I always say, like, you want to see Daddy play? He's like, yeah. no. And he just goes back to playing. I'm yeah, like, oh, wait, all right. Give him a couple of years. Yeah, there, there's, there's those years where they're just 
not selfish i mean but you know just not interested in anything but it is it is selfish it's just like why would i want to watch you play i'm playing (laughs) like oh okay i'm the one that gets enjoyment by hitting that drum pad why would I yeah. get enjoyment by I watching want to watch you, you do it? <laughs> it is funny because I think you'll say yes. I try to ask him in a way that makes it sound interesting. You yeah, know how you can yeah. kind of phrase things. Be like, you want to watch Daddy play the drums? He's like, no. <laughs> oh, all right. No, get off that seat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or I'll set him on my lap. I'm like, do you want to sit on Daddy's lap and I'll play drums with you? No. I'm like, oh. Okay, it's I'll the just old, continue. It's like playing sitting piano. Here. Like my daughter would be on the piano on our little keyboard. I have like one of those weighted keyboards, and then she'll be on there, and I'm like, or I'll start. Usually, how it starts, I'll start playing something, and then she'll get up there, and then she's she has to hit every once in a while, and then she's starting to take over, and you're just like, no, you're trying to battle <laughs> with. <laughs> what's a what's a weighted keyboard? Um, it's it has the same weight as like piano keys. Okay, and then the harder that you hit the the key, the louder it it is. Oh, so it's got some variation of sound instead of no matter how hard you hit the key, it's the exact same recorded like program tone. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. I like that. No, it is nice. It's a it's a Roland. Okay, I need to get my boy into piano, dude. I, I think he's still a little bit too young. Maybe not. Maybe I just need to get him something. But I want him to become comfortable with. Um, keys and chords and I think that piano is the best well I've been told by people who are better musicians than me that piano is the best way to learn um, like the theory of notes or just to become familiar with notes and you can take the knowledge of playing a piano into playing any other instrument uh, more readily than if you learn on something else like if you learn piano you can play anything kind of idea yeah I've kind of been intrigued to learn it and um one of the interesting things is like you could play any scale easily on a piano if you go to the keys because any scale is I if I can if I get this right I think it's full full half full 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 half okay. so any scale like if you start on any key and you can actually play that scale at that you know an A scale you know C scale uh-huh. is set up to where you just hit all fulls and it does the scale. You just hit the the entire, um, not the flat or the sharp, but just from C, and then you go all the way up. But the other ones, you have all to right. hit some of the sharp and stuff. But huh. that's about all I'd I like know. to learn. Yeah, I have this fantasy where he becomes interested in piano, and we take lessons together, and we both learn how to play piano at the same time, and then we practice together, and we become like the Jacksons. That's that's my fantasy. That's a cool fantasy, you know. And sometimes I wonder, like. Cause I I want to play piano too, but the th- the thing is, it's it's almost like learning a language, right? Mm. Learning a language is frustrating and and it's just frustrating and difficult. But once you can speak it, it's fun. So I yeah. think there's that that hump of just trying to get over to learn something. So you, it's almost like you have to pay for piano lessons or something. That might be the best way yes. to do it. I I think that's definitely the case because you can obviously learn piano online now. You could buy some sort of a learn piano at home program or you could probably just fucking live on youtube and learn anything uh that you want to know but there's a certain diy aspect to that that may or may not work whereas if you go and hire an instructor or sign up at a local music store for weekly or whatever lessons there's something more structured and committed uh with something like that and i think that'd be the better way to go 
And one day I hope to do that with my boy and my boys, both of them would be really rad to just start doing lessons together. Because I know as a musician uh, that the feeling of playing music when you're not focusing on playing it, when you're not like, I'm trying to play this, because then there's this um, awareness of effort when you're trying to play something. But when you're truly playing it and you're feeling it and the music is pouring out of you and you're in the moment with other people or alone, but especially with other people when you're playing in a band, the feeling that you get from emanating music is unlike anything in the world Um, and almost better than any feeling in the world. Uh, And I want my boys to feel that. I'd, I'd want anyone to feel that. That's something that everyone should experience. And I want more of that. And I don't have to play in a punk rock band like I used to, but I want, I want to be able to feel that more often. And I'd love to feel that with my kids to where we can play together and that feeling of jamming. Um, and I want them to, I want them to experience that. I think everyone should. It's, it's life changing. And you got the crowd out there just like into your music, oh, knows your music as well. The crowd element to it. Yeah. When people are out there just dancing or mosh pitting or just singing along with you or fucking into what you're doing, attached to your music. And they're, they're a part of that, that life at that moment. There's nothing more, uh, alive than that. It's, it's a hard thing to describe, dude. Eric Clapton recently gave an interview because after, I guess after he took um, a certain medical procedure, he had issues with his hand and he, uh. um, he couldn't play and he was worried about that. So he was talking about it. Be- but one of the interesting quotes that he said was, he said, um, if he's like, I, I need to go and play live is what he was saying. Yeah. He said, I need it. Oh yeah. He said, and the people that want to listen to me, they need it too. So, yeah. you know, I, that's something you don't really think of, but I mean, you go Music's to, an uh, incredible phenomenon, how we invented things that make noise uh, and we use them to express ourselves and other people connect with us through that noise. It's a really interesting thing. It's such a powerful medium of communication. Uh it's just one of the most beautiful things that humanity has ever developed. It's, 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 it's unlike anything else in the world. Yeah. And you know, what's funny too, is like, I have a few melodies that I want to turn into songs, but like Mm -hmm. now I did, I guess you could say create the melodies, even though I, I didn't actively create them. So they were like things that came to me, like, when I was falling asleep in a dream or I wake up and I had a dream about a song and the song was playing and there were pretty much almost always times where the dream was just absolutely beautiful. Yeah. And so I, and you can hear them. Yeah, I can hear them. I I recorded them a couple, a few of them. Like, I think I have three or four melodies and I record it. I hummed it. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I just, I just hummed it. And, um, but I want to make those into songs, but I, I don't know. I just, I'm just not able to. There's okay. So if you learn piano or any instrument, guitar, piano, uh, then you would be able to take those things that you imagined and play them. I can, uh, I can do that. I mean, I can get on the keyboard and play it, but like, what else okay. do I do? It's just a melody, you know, maybe, yeah. maybe I don't oh, have man. That. 
Oh man, just a melody. Like you can take a series of notes and play that exact same near series of notes in a billion different attitudes. And like with your your varying intensity of that weighted keyboard, how you can touch them light or hit them hard and you get a you get a lighter or harder tone. Um you can you can play that exact same melody in in more intense and in less intense ways and build it up to create these emotional waves swelling and 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 peaks and valleys of feeling and that's all the neatest that's the neatest thing of of music especially in an acoustic form digital reproductions of music just don't live like acoustic music um but that kind of thing dude is one of the most like expressive and emotionally expansive and and coolest things you can do as a human is just like pour out whatever you're feeling and create moods with that with that noise and the variations of notes even if it's the exact same note you're playing in a different mood or attitude that's one of the neatest things that makes me want to sing actually like i've sang a little bit in our punk band screamed a little bit in the punk band whatever i feel like i can sing fairly well probably in a very limited range but one day I really want to take like singing lessons and learn how to use my voice better because yeah. I feel like nothing would feel better than being able to belt out music using nothing but my own voice uh, without the limitation of my own ability. Like being, well, I mean, you're always limited by your own ability, but if you get better at it, your ability becomes much more expansive. Um, and that feeling of belting out music We've all felt it. We've all sang in our car or the shower or whatever, and you feel like it just feels great to sing. Yeah. Um, but being good at it would make it feel even better, and you'd be able to do more with it. Not that I'd ever want like other people to listen to me sing. I don't care if they do or not, but that's not the motivation. It would just be, I wish I were better at singing. I would be able to do that more, and it would feel better. Yeah. No, That's. it's got to be like the ult, one of the ultimate... Um expressions yeah. really because oh yeah i i always get jealous of like uh how cool would it be to like be born with just such a great one of these great voices of some of these singers um like, yes like uh the one that comes to mind is um the poor guy that passed uh but i think he had like the ultimate rock and roll voice and that was the audio slave Soundgarden guy um oh yeah uh, chris cornell chris cornell yeah my God, yeah. he was just like, you know, and, and I don't, I don't know a ton about him. He's got an incredible voice, but my thought is it's very rare to just be born that good of a singer. I bet that guy, and I don't know, but we could probably find out, but I bet he was in a singing group or a choir or a church group or, you know, something that helped him develop from a young age. And he worked at it and worked at it. And I bet he practiced singing to become that good. I doubt really? he was just okay. born with. I doubt it. Hmm. I doubt it. Well, that that goes against my theory of singing because I thought you're just born with it. No, and I mean some people are born with better voices than others, but I, I, dude, I, I feel like virtually everyone that you hear of or think of that is a great singer work their ass off at it. Really. Huh. Yeah, yeah. I, I never, I never would have guessed that. Not in a million years, I would. Now, I did have a roommate uh, back in the '90s, who um, 
felt that way too and i think he was taking some music lessons but it just it didn't help and but yeah. at the same time though i do think there's a massive confidence uh i think a lot of it is is a confidence thing uh-huh sure because i'll tell you a little itty bitty story and it's just because um i don't know i always wanted to sing but i don't have a good voice but i enjoy doing it i do carry i love doing karaoke and stuff but like i did get better at singing or not better at singing i got more relaxed and more uh willing to belt it out um yes when i got more confidence like anything practice makes you better i mean you know shocker yeah but I remember that. We used to do karaoke a lot. We used to get hammered and go to Cask and Cleaver and Corona uh, all the time and do karaoke because it was fun. But through that, through those drunken escapades, uh, we all got better at singing. I definitely got better at singing. And it was purely because we were just doing it. Um, You, A, find songs that fit your vocal range uh, just by trying some songs and doing better at some than others. And then you go, okay, well, that's a good song for me. And you sing it more and more, so you become obviously better at that song. And next thing you know, you're, you're, you're able to sing a little bit. You know, you're finding like, hey, when I sing this song, here's my range. I even feel more comfortable in it. I'm belting it out a little bit more. I'm getting a little more free, and, and, and uh, I'm getting better at this. And I remember that. I remember you singing um, Soundgarden songs, right, with Black Danny, Days. the karaoke master. Yeah, yeah. you sang Fell on Black Days. And uh, you got good at that, dude. You sang that song quite often. That was like your jam. And you got good at it. And I think that's true where anybody, whether you have a naturally good voice or a naturally bunk voice, can take singing lessons and use and learn to use their voice better. Whether or not you're working with a good voice or a bad voice is probably pretty genetic. But you can always learn to use your voice better. So... Maybe some people can never be a really great singer, but they can learn to sing better, for sure. And some people, yes, are naturally blessed with just a better-sounding voice. And um, just like anything, some people are just naturally better at guitar than others. Um, but anybody can learn to play guitar that really works at it, you know? Would you say it, it seems to me sometimes it's about range? Because oh, yeah. there are certain uh, ranges that I can hit, and I'm totally... And there's other ranges now, that just don't work. And now, that definitely comes down to some people are just naturally gifted with a little bit of a better vocal range, but that always comes down to uh, training and practice. Is You can learn to use your voice better, and that includes learning how to control your voice in different ranges. And if you worked with a vocal coach or joined a singing group or if you just practiced a lot more, you would get better and better and you would have more and more range. Interesting. Definitely. Yeah. You should. Is Esme into singing? Your, your daughter, does she like singing at all? Yeah, she's a good singer. Would you ever want to do some sort of vocal lessons with her? It'd be oh, fun. Oh, that's a good idea, yeah. You should, dude. Find a local singing coach. Like, Google it or find some music store and just say, hey, do you know any singing coaches or whatever? Maybe it happens at a music shop or maybe they come to your house. But what a fun thing to do with your kid. Uh, learn to sing together. It would be so fun. It's a great idea. Yeah, she has a great voice too. She's like, she's really good. She's nice. I mean, one time I heard her do like a vibrato. Like she was really. She's six years old. Wow. She she did it, and and I 
told Megan, I was like, did you hear that? She's like, yeah. And it was Whoa. just a to- full on just like, I-, I can't even do it. But um, it was, and she's got a very pretty voice, too. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, find a vocal coach. Okay. That'd be fun. I have that fantasy, too, where I, I would love to learn how to sing, uh, and I would love to do that with my boys and learn to sing together. I think it's a good confidence builder. It's a fun thing to do together. And what a neat thing for a person to be able to sing better and feel confident about singing to where you would do it in front of other people and you're you're pretty good at it. I mean, you don't have to be fucking, you know, uh, 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 an incredible artist or some singing phenomenon or anything, but just being able to sing would be a great feeling and something fun to do. Yeah, put yourself out there a little bit. That's true. Yeah, Why the get fuck her, not? Get her up on stage, too, and just get that feeling. She's done, oh, shit. She's done like, some well, ballet stuff. That's great. So she's creative and, and artistic and, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You should you think about that. That'd be fun. It's yeah. something I would love to do with my boys. They're still a little bit young, um, but Esme is at a great age for that kind of thing. Yeah, no, that's a good idea. And she would probably even love to, like, sing some, like, Disney songs or stuff that she already knows, you know, and practice those and whatever. And those are great... Um, vocal displays i mean uh disney music is produced really well and and uh you know that sort of thing we all know it yeah so derek would be over there belting out fucking i can show you the world yeah it's funny dude like sparkling glimmers splendor (laughs) yeah come on derek Fucking the lyrics. Your, I see you got your Babu hat on right now. <laughs> we can't get our kid into Aladdin. He watches it a little bit. Our two-year-old. Yeah. He's he's dude. He's so selective about what he likes, and uh, he just likes watching a couple of things uh, over and over and over again endlessly. And we try to like sprinkle in some like, hey, what about a little bit of variety here? You want to check out Aladdin? No, no, no. I don't want to watch Aladdin. We're like, fuck. All right, we'll watch the same thing over and over again. Toy Story. Um, no, he won't watch Toy Story yet. He's not into it. Uh, he's super into Moana, or he was super into Moana, and he's he's waned on that one a little bit. He's seen it four thousand times, and and now it's it's not quite as he still loves it, but it's not quite what it used to be. He loved Coco for a little while, which is a great movie, um, great music in Coco, and he's a little bit. Eh, he's kind of over the Coco thing. He probably only watched that two or three thousand times. And, uh, what's he into right now? Fucking YouTube, dude. Terrible, terrible YouTube videos that he just loves. That, That's uh, a tough one, yeah. That can be tough. Uh, dude, videos. it sucks, man, because so many YouTube channels are like, they're good for kids, you know, they practice the ABCs and practice some singing, but they're just produced by amateurs, you know, and, and the music isn't great, and the production's not great, and I'm like, why watch this shit while... There's Disney stuff just to click away, and it's really well done. It's great music. It's well performed. It's fucking fantastic. But we're over here watching Blippy. Like fuck, man. Probably because it's a reality show, right? Is it one of those kid I reality guess. shows where they're like playing with toys and stuff? And then all is, has your daughter ever watched Blippy? Do you know who Blippy is? I don't know. No, I don't know. Ah, uh, I envy your life. <laughs> oh my god. Blippy is, <laughs> he actually has a pretty colorful past, which, uh, so Blippy is this, uh, character on YouTube. He's a YouTube star. Guy makes stupid money, dude. And, um, he basically acts like a kid, just like a goofy kid persona. He's a grown man, but he goes out and he does fun stuff at like 
indoor amusement parks or, or whatever, or talks about colors and numbers and stuff, basic kid content. But, uh, he makes little songs and stuff like that. He's good for the most part. And I mean, some of what he does is somewhat educational. Most of it's just something to keep him busy while I'm cooking dinner or whatever, you know? Uh, but the production is super crappy. The music is not good. Uh, none of that. So I'm always kind of like, don't you want to watch like something from Disney or I don't know, dude, something that is just better, you know, but he loves Blippi. So anyway, my wife and I looked up Blippi and because we have to know everything about people. We were watching this guy act like a kid on TV with just millions and millions of views. And we're just kind of like, whoa, man, this guy, dude, this guy's making ridiculous money. We got to look him up. We got to know. We got to torture ourselves with how successful Blippi is just to make ourselves feel bad. And the guy makes stupid money. The Internet says that he's worth something like $60 million or something like that. And she read a little more about him. And Blippi is not his first whack at internet stardom one of his earlier uh personas that he created was like stevie grossman or stevie something like that and the persona was uh a living piece of poo who was born after his parents had anal sex uh, and okay. yes yeah, so he had this super just just kind of gross youtube persona and I, I i i imagine he wasn't very successful with it because he dumped it for for uh the kid star blippy but yeah, so he was a piece of poo that was born from his parents having anal sex. And on one of the episodes, he literally shit on one of his friends on camera. Oh my gosh. Did and so obviously that's not the or did you uh, read well, that it, you know, obviously that's not the kind of thing you want floating around the internet when you're trying to be a child star blippy. So apparently he had to spend just a boatload of money removing this thing from the internet and I guess for the most part he was successful because uh, it's not out there anymore. Maybe it's somewhere you got to dig really deep, but but it's not out there anymore. But news of its once existing is still out there, so you can kind of read about like, hey, this existed. It doesn't anymore. But just so you know, blippy shit on someone on camera, and uh, yeah, yeah. So that's the checkered past of the child star blippy. I got to tell you a secret, Mike. Oh yeah, I have the blippy video, dude. The blippy, blippy clip, dude. You got the blippy clip. Uh oh. Should we should we post it and risk being sued by the uh, by the immensely wealthy? Blippy? No, I got to come clean. I don't have the blippy clip. Blippy might be uh, listening here. I don't want him to come after me. Uh, but dude, uh, honestly, like yeah. I don't know what kind of person you are, but when you hear something like, "Oh, this guy has a video of himself shitting on another person online," I don't want to see it. I know yeah, a lot no. of people do like yeah. to go out and see, oh, dude, that's that's uh, that's illicit or that's underground and that's um, taboo. I want to see it. I don't have that impulse. Like, I'm like, ew, that's gross. I don't want to see Blippi shitting on someone. I'm the same way. I, I can hear from somebody who has seen it and they can I can kind of judge by them whether it was true or not. Yeah. Like, okay, yeah, that's I almost good. don't I'm, even want to know it exists. But I'm, I'm, I'm okay with knowing it exists. But I definitely don't want to see it. Even if it was right there and just a click away and someone said, like, oh, like you were serious? Oh, I have that blippy clip. Do you want to see it? I'd say, nah, nah, I really don't. You know, on those YouTube videos, when you see a million views on a video, from what I heard, that those million views ends up being about $2,000 in advertising. So for okay. every million view, it's $2,000. So like my daughter would watch like Addie and Maya and a whole bunch of some of these ones. I mean, like you're uh-huh. looking sometimes at like 30 million views and you're like, they made $60,000 off that video. 
Oh my god, dude! Imagine I know how much my, money they're making on one these. of my boys' favorite things to watch on YouTube is people who just play with toys, and it's just like, oh, they're playing with like little Spider-Man action figures or whatever, and they're just you know playing in slime and whatever, and it's just this little video of someone's hands playing with toys. Totally nonsense, waste of time, no educational value. And then you click up, and you see that this video has... I saw one yesterday, lady was playing with action figures. The video had 88 million views. Damn. Yeah, so, 88 million. So how much is that? That's uh, $160,000. Uh, $160, yeah. If that average is correct. Yeah. One hundred and sixty grand. Yeah, no, that's crazy. It's Go just, her, dude. Yeah, serious. I mean, she fucking wins the game right there, right? Like, yeah, part of me is jealous, but the other part of me is just, like, uh, impressed. Like, you really figured it out, man. You're making money while you sleep. You played with some toys on camera, uploaded it to a free website, and you fucking made over a hundred grand on that shit? Uh, there's a lot of them too. Yeah, like Addie and wow. Maya. There's these two girls and their and her mother, and she just films what they do all day long. They go to a water park. She films that. If they just stay home and play with toys, she films that. And then they make yeah. money on the the toys that. Oh yeah, yeah. The sponsorships. The sponsorships. Well, like that kid Ryan. I don't know if she ever watched yeah, this I know kid who you're Ryan. About Ryan. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Luckily, uh, my boy has not discovered Ryan. I hope he never does. But I know of other um, parents that their kids love Ryan and this kid makes stupid money and he gets all kinds of sponsorships and now when I flip around the Nickelodeon app he's got like his own show on Nickelodeon and shit yeah no it's like damn dude it's just this kid playing with toys strike while the iron's hot and then get out of it and then just hey you know uh I don't want my kid watching it, but I wish I had done it. I mean, fuck, man, making that kind of money just for some making some little cheesy ass videos at home, like, yeah, buddy. You're with me though. You wouldn't want to expose your personal life. It's not worth never. it. Never. It's not worth uh, it. Not even just my own, but I would never want my kid out exactly. there on the internet like yeah, that. Like I'm not filming my kid going to the amusement park and then posting that for my own financial gain. Yeah. Hell no. Seen by millions of people. No, <laughs> never going away. Yeah, yeah, no, no, wackos. no, no way, no. exactly. And then as a grown man, he has to live. I mean, sure, he's a rich grown man, uh, presumably, that if you invest all that crazy money, like, sure, there's that upside of being an internet star, but fuck all that, dude. That That's a weird existence I want no part of. Uh, sure, the money sounds great, but now the exposure, dude, is, is not an option. And then everybody knows who you are. And yeah. They, they recognize yeah. you. And, and the kid didn't ask for this. No, no, no that's, exactly. That's not fair. Yeah. You don't know if that's no. going to be congruent for your child's life in the future. Yeah, and then growing up through his, like, you know, elementary, middle school, high school years, those are tough enough already. Other kids are assholes, dude. Um, but this kid has to grow up with being this child star uh, to whatever degree. Like, nah, dude, it's it's hard enough. Yeah, like, and who uh, knows? Somebody might dig through some content and just find some the most embarrassing moment and just, like, torture your child with that. Be like, oh, look, of you course pooped they your will. pants. You pooped your pants yeah. right here when you were six. Right. And yeah. It's like. <laughs> yeah. 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 No. No. None of that's cool. Yeah, None of you. that's cool. I'm with you on that. Yeah. Well, on that note, D, I think it's time to wrap. This has been a fun one. We really got yeah. into a bunch of uh, wacky topics. We do. We do. We always do that. I actually prepared a little bit for this one today. Like, I wrote down a couple of things to bring up in case we didn't have anything to talk about. And uh, I never even looked at my list. No, it was really an interesting conversation. We we touched a lot of different things and uh, history and everything. And, yeah, it was was cool. Yeah, blippy pooping on people. Lots of of, uh, of range. We got all kinds of range. Speaking of range, my singing...
Yeah, I, I expect an update. On the next podcast, next week, we are going to be uh, given a display of Derek's vocal ability. Oh, I want to hear all about oh, your progress. Dear, I might have to deliver. All right. All right. I already warned well, you on guys that note, what, what my voice is, but... Uh, <laughs> you've been warned. All right, brother man. All right. Always fun talking to you. You too, man. You have a great weekend. Okay. You too, man. Talk to you soon, all man. Right, later, Take brother. it easy. Bye. Later. <laughs> Thanks a lot for listening. We really appreciate you joining us. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast listening app. And for more episodes and info, check out DerekandMike.com. Thanks again. We'll see you next time.